0: Thinking as we were, whoa, everybody's upstairs now. That's right, you're all back. Welcome back, those of you who are slugs all summer. But, and it was really nice and cool in here all summer. <laughs> uh, it will be a special place in heaven for those of us who endured, endured this summer. Um, I, I really do want to welcome those of you who are brand new to Hope, because I know that's difficult. We don't ever like, make you raise your hand or anything, but actually there are quite a few of you who are new. So don't feel like it's a, it's a, you could, you could just have a seat. When I said have a seat, I meant like out. But those, those. Ah. Uh, those of you who are new, we usually like people to sit out there, just kind of, <laughs> Seth, no, you've been here before, that's not, general. this is this is generally when I'm up front and you're not anymore and you're away now. I just so, thought, you know, I could hear the message a little bit better and just, you know, close. Yeah. This is a little awkward. Um, <laughs> do we still have security here? Is there security? <laughs> um, why don't you just go have a seat? Yeah. Just, thank you. Um, there are awkward moments, you know, in life. There are awkwardnesses, in you, in, you know, they're just one of those deals where things are just weird. I, I thought about doing something even a little weirder, than I thought you probably all leave. Um, <laughs> there are times in life, especially if you're in a family. Anybody in a family? Oh yeah, thank you. Uh, there are times where where there is just awkward is all get-out times. I remember once I was in a Bible study where this the, this guy and I had, over the phone, a, a knock-down, drag-out argument about something. I mean, we were ticked at each other. And the next week we got together for Bible study, and we acted like as if there was nothing going on. And the other guys were in the room, and a couple of them had heard about this. I mean, it was knockdown down drag-out. We were mad at each other, really mad. And finally, this one guy who was the Bible study leader, great guy, I love him, he's from Oklahoma, straight shooter, and he says, you know, there's an elephant in the room here, there's just an elephant, you two guys loathe each other right now, why don't you guys go and fix it, and then come back. So we went outside and literally, no, uh, we, uh, <laughs> we felt like it though, we had it out for about an hour, because there was an elephant in that room, you could just sense it, you know what I mean, when there's just this tension and you're not really dealing with it right away. It's kind of there. And some of you, unfortunately, come from families where you don't ever mention the elephant in the room. Oh, there's an elephant in the room. Shh, shh, shh. You don't talk about the elephant. Some of you where everything's an elephant. Okay, everything. Ah, it's hot outside! You know, everything <laughs> is an elephant. Today we're in, the, we're in our last three sermons of a two-year study. So if you're new to us, we're going to reset here in a few weeks with something new, so don't sweat it. I'll tell you next week what we're going to be doing in the fall. But, but uh, we got three more weeks in the Gospel of John. We are at the last chapter now of the Gospel of John. It's kind of like going to the end of a movie. Jesus dies. He's rose again. Sorry to spoil it for you, He raises again. And what you see in John chapter 20 and in 21 is Christ, after He's risen, He appears We've seen him appear, to the first one he appeared to was Mary Magdalene. He, and I still love this painting, I don't know, I should get a new one, I just think that is, somehow Mary Magdalene, the woman who seven demons came out of, is dressed in Victorian garb. I don't know how that happened, but it is, it's a cool picture. And appears to Mary Magdalene, then he appears to the ten disciples, guys, we were saying the ten revolutionaries, they would change the world, one guy was missing though, and that was Thomas. We saw him last week. We're going to see him very briefly again this week. And he's called Doubting Thomas. We said that's not really a fair thing to call him. Uh, it, more like, i got to see it. I'm a guy who will stick my neck out, but i got to see it kind of guy. That was Thomas, and we looked at him last week. This week, we're looking at John chapter 21, which is the fourth and final in the Gospel of John, appearance of the risen Christ. It's all through one more appearance, all in... Uh, John chapter 21, it'd be great to do it in one week, it's just too much to, to do in one week. So this week, we're going to look at um, John chapter 21, the fourth and last appearance. Now, oh this is really funny, that's really funny, don't need those, um, just kidding, uh, I, had, I printed that up again I thought I brought my old one, no I got the new one too. You guys thought it was going to be done quick. <laughs> anyway, now, one of the questions about John chapter 21 that a lot of people ask, well, some of you who are anal, that will bother you all, sir, so I'll pick it up. Some, uh, the, uh, why would he throw those? Why did he throw those? It drives me crazy. If you read any commentaries on the book of John, the, the, the end of, of John chapter 21 is thought by many to be an add-on. Perhaps, some would even argue, not even written by the gospel writer himself. It could be. I mean, we have no way of writing. In fact, the book never says that it's written by John. It is possible. I think it is still part of the story. So you have to ask yourself, you have to ask, because anytime you read scripture, you have to ask yourself a question, why is it there? You do that when you read anything. You read the paper, you ask, why did this writer say this? Now, when you're reading a biography, which the gospels are, they're a story of Jesus Christ, from his birth, John doesn't do a whole lot with his birth. Other gospels do, all the way to his death and resurrection and his appearances. you got to ask yourself, why is he including this stuff? He doesn't just include stuff for, for, for no reason. There's a reason. There's always a purpose or purposes or what he's trying to do. What is the purpose of John chapter 21. Because everything's kind of done, in a sense, in John chapter 20. Jesus is uh, uh, in, he's, uh, crucified in earlier chapters. In John chapter 20, he appears to three groups of people, and he's not going to appear to anybody new. So nothing really new happens like that. He proves his resurrection. What happens in John chapter 21 that's that big of a deal to have it? People have often called it like an appendix to John. You don't even really need it. I think you do. I think there's an elephant in the Gospel of John, I think there's an elephant in all of the Gospels that only is resolved in the book of John. And here's the elephant. I'm going to walk you through some passages in John, I'm going to cheat a little bit just to heighten it and look at a little bit of Luke, but I want, here's, the, here's, the, uh, here's the elephant. You don't have to flip there, it's gonna go real quick. Just stay in if you're open your Bibles, open keep it open to John chapter twenty one. We'll get back there. John chapter one. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the one of the two who heard about John, who heard what John, that's John the Baptist, had said, and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah. That is, the Christ. Just before I finish this. It's very interesting the way it's even said, right? We've we've talked about this. The Gospel of John was written late. Probably somewhere in the late 70s, early 80s AD. It's written so late that before John introduces the character of Peter, he gives another character by the name of Andrew. And the way you know Andrew is because he's Peter's brother. Isn't that kind of weird? It's like saying, I want to introduce you to my son, But I'm his his dad. That didn't make any sense. But you get what I'm trying to say. You don't introduce someone. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Just so you know who Andrew is. And now we're going to introduce Simon Peter. Simon Peter is a rock star in the Christian religion. And in early Christianity, he was, he and the Apostle Paul were rock stars. They were the guys. Okay. He brought him to Jesus, verse 42. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of Joseph. You'll be called Cephas, which translated is Peter, which where we get Petros, which means rock. You're going to be demand. man. All right? Now, we're going to follow a little bit about Peter. Who is this Peter guy? On hearing it, <clears throat> this is, Jesus gives this very hard teaching in John chapter 6. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, disciples means followers of Jesus, not just the 12. There are more. That it, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And here it is. For, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, not the twelve, of course, but disciple means follower, means learner. Many people in the crowd said, Whoa, weirdo, this is strange stuff, I'm out of here. Jesus looks at the twelve and says, You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. You can see this awkward silence, like, yeah, but maybe not. It's just weird, there's some weird things going on here. Peter's the only one who has the guts to say something. Here's what he says. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter's the only one who has the guts to say it. He says, you know what? If there were a better thing out there, if there was something else that would satisfy me, if there was some job or some way of life, or some other teacher, man, I'd be about him, but there's no one. You're the dude. You're the only one. I don't understand the lick of what you just said in John chapter 6. I don't have a clue, but I'm here, man. I'm staying. He's, 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 he's a brave guy. He's a bold guy. John chapter 13, when Jesus is going to clean their feet, he says after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. This is Jesus on his last night with them, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And just smelly rotten. I mean, even in our culture's feet, e. Uh, but in their culture that they wore sandals and are dry and dusty and they didn't have anything like Tinactin and there was yeah. And 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 you do not realize what I what I'm doing, Jesus says, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. You're the Lord. My feet are gross. You're not touching them. Did you hear that? He says, you don't understand this, this symbolism here. I am too gross for you to touch me. I've done things. I'm, I'm dirty. And Jesus says very profoundly, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Whew. I don't care what you've done in life. You're not too dirty. That's a lie from the pit of hell that you think it is. Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Now listen, this is amazing. I teach theology and no one gets theological shifts this quickly, but listen to Peter. Then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I mean, I want a bath. That's Peter. Peter's just, he's wholeheartedly, he's just, this is not a guy who would ever would call timid. He's never timid. Now, John chapter 13, he asks him, Peter asks Jesus, we're going through the book, Gospel of John, seeing what happens to Peter. Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now. can't follow me, Peter. But, but you will follow later. Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Before morning comes, Peter. Three times you're going to disown me. And Peter's like, no way. John chapter 18. Now it's that time. It's, it's approaching that time of night. It's the middle of night. Jesus had been arrested. Peter has the guts at least to follow. Peter, and we, we understand it to be John, have the guts to follow. Simon Peter and another, and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went in with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. It's special pass. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. So you understand what it's, they're, they're, they're eyeball to eyeball here. Jesus, Jesus isn't within a hearing distance of where Peter is because Peter gets to come in. You're not one of the disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they made to keep warm. Peter also was standing around them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I've taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said, nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him, still bound, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Okay, so this is happening, and Peter's seeing this. He's not doing anything. Verse 25 of that same chapter, chapter 18. <clears throat> as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he, asked, he was asked, You're, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a cock began to crow. He hears the rooster, morning is coming. He's just denied Christ three times in the presence of Jesus. Now, Luke makes this even clearer. If you you just look at Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to skip down just to where Peter says in verse 60, he's. He's saying, I know this guy was with them." Peter says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just he was speaking, the cock crowed. And then listen to this. It says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. That's one of the most intense verses in all the Bible. I don't care what you've done in your life. It's not as bad as what Peter just did. Nothing. Is as bad as what this is. And to make things worse, while he's doing it, Jesus turns his head and looks right in his eye. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken of him before the crowed today, He will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. That's the elephant the elephant that's in the room, the elephant that's in the gospel that nowhere is solved is what about Peter and Jesus? This is a big deal. Peter has completely disowned Jesus Christ. And yes, he's appeared to him. And yes, he's talked to them. But there's nothing mono on mono. There's nothing about me and you together, man. I blew it. None of that until you get to John chapter 20. It's the only one in the Bible where you see where that that situation solved. And that's what I think why John it, John 21 is in the Bible. I think it solves that problem because it's a major one. The restoration of Jesus and Peter and it's beautiful. And we're going to talk about it next week. This week. <laughs> uh, yeah. This week, we're going to talk about how Jesus sets it up because Jesus is a genius how he sets up a meeting with Peter where it's a safe place for Peter to be restored to him. Let's take a look at this. Now we're in John chapter 21. It says, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's also the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathanael from Canaan and Galilee, The sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, John who we believe to be the author of this gospel. And two other disciples, who are just unnamed, so we're not sure who they are, were together. So that's seven guys. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go out with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now I have down here a a little part of that picture and I like I like art, and our internet was down this morning. I wanted to throw some artwork in. This is the best I could do. I ran over to Dunn Brothers. Um, you know what? Do you mind flying back so we can see the whole thing? What slide is it? Just just go back towards this Slide six of what I got here. So let's see. No, 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 no. Yeah, I forgot to about that. that. So let me talk about that too. going, yeah. One more, two more, one more. Yep, there it is. Keep going. One more, and then one more, two more. Go ahead, two more. Back, back up. Keep going, two more. <laughs> Won't go? Stuck? Is anybody back there. <laughs> Stuck? <laughs> there. Stop. Ah, stop. Perfect. That's gonna sound great on the tape. Now, <laughs> I really like I like ancient art. This is 1400, so you gotta cut them some slack. You know, they just invented crayons, and so. Uh, the 1400s. It's called the miraculous draught of fishes. 1443 to 1444. Took a year. I guess to paint that thing. But we're gonna find out. There's this is hugely wrong. I mean, this is just this is just bad. I mean, it's kind of like Leonardo da Vinci and all twelve disciples were on one side of the table. When's the last time you had only twelve people? You all sat on one side of the table. But the 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 Jesus is there on the on the. And I don't know why he's got a. Doesn't that thing look like one of those dream catchers or something? You know, on his head. <laughs> and, and there's supposed to be 153 fish there. That that ain't 153 fish. And Peter's supposed to be swimming, and Peter's not an old guy. But other than that, that's a great painting. Now, <laughs> I forgot. Why don't you skip down to where where Peter is shown uh, being executed? Go ahead, forward. And if you use any way to click forward to that, it's the one. Uh, yeah, it's, my numbers are going to be different than yours. Um, go to the go to the one it 's after the after the Luke passage. The reason why this is important while they 're doing that the reason why all this is important is yeah th- that <laughs> Peter traditionally <clears throat> was during the persecution of Nero in sixty five and this is all guess best guess estimate that during the persecution of, of when, when Rome was burned and, and Uh, Nero persecuted the church. People believe that Peter and possibly also Paul were both executed at this time. And so this would put it around 65, 66, somewhere in there, A.D. Peter, they said, we're going to crucify you because you Christians really think that's great. He said, I'm not worthy of that. Crucify me upside down. So he asked to be crucified upside down. So tradition says that Peter died a horrible death. 65, 66 A.D., somewhere there. Probably also the Apostle Paul, somewhere in that time frame. What that means then is, remember we said the Gospel of John was written in 80, some 80 70, 75 to 85, somewhere in there. So these guys, these, these pillars of the faith have been dead, and now we're, we're dealing with that and who they were. Now, they're out fishing. You can go ahead to the, to the one more there. Sorry. Nice job back there. Sonia. Sonia back there. Thank you, Sonia. Little hand for Sonia. Very nicely done. Thank you. <laughs> First time in 11 years a PowerPoint person's ever gotten applause. Very nicely done. Thanks, Sonia. Sorry, that's above and beyond the call of duty. Um, <clears throat> they, Peter says, let's go out fishing. There are these, these different people with them, seven of them in, in all. He says, I'm going out to fish. They said, we'll go out with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. What they usually would do is go out in the early morning period, you know, 2, 3, 4 a.m., fish until morning, bring the fish that they had right to the market. They'd be fresh, maybe even still flopping, so you could get yourself a fresh fish in the market. That was what they were going to be doing. Now, they hadn't yet received all the instructions. You're not going to see that until Acts, so they're still out fishing. They're not starting the church. Verse 4 Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, there's a couple reasons for this. We're going to find out in just a minute. They're about 100 yards away. It's possible. But also, there's something about the risen Christ that is very familiar, but also is different. If you've gone through death and resurrection, you just look a little different. And and Jesus does. And they don't recognize him. And he asks the famous question that Every fisherman hates to be asked. What do you catch? He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Even that way of saying it is kind of harsh, isn't it? Haven't you any fish? Well, you can't see in the boat from there. What's the deal? You know, I got lots of fish. Just uh, put them all back in the water. (laughs) Some guy in the water yelling out, or some guy in the land yelling to you out in the water, and I've been there. Saying, you got anything? Voice travels real well over water. So you got to say, no. And it comes out, no, because it's just nice and loud. If it's a calm morning sea, they answer no. He gives some unasked for advice. If you ever play golf with a few people that I know, you'll get it. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did... They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. They can't get the net out of the water. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, I'm not sure if he recognizes him, or not sure if he realizes that because they're catching fish, that it's Jesus. Because that happens, doesn't have, we don't see it in the Gospel of John, but we see it in another Gospel where they catch a, a, so, much, it's so much fish that actually the boat is sinking, it says. In fact, in the Gospels, all four of them, the only time the disciples catch fish is when Jesus is there. Huh? Oh. <laughs> you thought they were interested in Jesus, they just needed a new occupation. <clears throat> they never caught any fish except when Jesus is there saying, Why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, remember, this is about Peter. As soon as he heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. Now that is weird. I, I've studied that. I've looked at that. It's the, it's. the I don't yet quite figure it out. It's possible that as they were fishing, one of the things they used to do is they, they'd cast their nets in like a circle, and then they'd use these little throw nets, probably the one that Jesus said to throw out, and then what happens, you'd get that thing, and then you'd, you'd have a guy swimming in the water, and he generally would swim naked, or with just a loin kind of thing on, and he would take the fish out and throw them into the boat. All right? So I, I get that he doesn't have anything but perhaps his loin on, loincloth thing, Tarzan type thing, but why do you throw it on to then jump in? I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to be all clothed to see Jesus. Maybe like Chris Anderson, how Chris Anderson wanted to be baptized. Chris was sitting right there, fully clothed, come up here, submerse him, he goes back there, sits right there, dripping all the way to the front, dripping down to the kids below and everything. Maybe so. I don't know. I I haven't figured that one out yet. Maybe you could uh, email me. Tell me what you think. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. I wonder about that. I mean, John writes this. John is one of the guys who is where? In the boat. Doing what? Pulling, we're going to see, 153 fish in a net. Where's Peter? Peter's off swimming ahead. What are you doing? I got 153 fish here. Possible? Not sure? I I get a little bit of that. There's a little bit going on between Peter and John from time to time. And I wonder if that's a little bit of a zing. Uh, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, verse 9, when they landed, they saw fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. They hadn't brought their fish up yet. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So it's going to make more for them. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. So it looks like Peter's intimately involved, perhaps the only guy. And he's able to, I don't know if adrenaline kicks in or what the deal, but somehow he's taking these fish or just dragging them. I imagine the ones on the bottom were not too sellable, but they—they they drags them up onto the shore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Now, look at what Jesus says to them. They're coming, bring some of your fish. And then he says this, verse 12, come and have breakfast. Jesus made them breakfast. Now you might just think, well, it's no big deal. You've got to understand why John 21 is put there. There's unresolved tension between Jesus and Peter. It's not yet completely resolved. We'll see it resolved next week. If you've got your Bible open, you can see it right now. He's going to resolve it with them. What does he do? He says, sit down. I made you breakfast. While you guys were out there floundering around, I caught some fish, or I got some fish, or I made some fish, or I don't know what he did. (laughs) And I'm cooking them for you. Come and eat them. Got fresh bread, too. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. Great host. Jesus Christ is serving the disciples. He's serving them. He, Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and, and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to disciples. Fourth overall, if we include Mary, after he was raised. From the dead. This whole thing is a genius way to set up what's going to happen. The restoration of Peter. But Peter needs to know before he's able to open up and to talk openly with Jesus about this that it's safe. Jesus need to know that, that, or Peter needs to know that Jesus is saying, Come, have breakfast. I got a question for you as we close this morning. What's your elephant? What's your elephant between you and God? Just don't want to talk about it, don't want to deal with it. What's your thing that, you know, if somebody were to bring that up, it'd just really make you uncomfortable? There's no possible way on the planet that it's worse than what Peter did. It doesn't exist. It's the worst thing disowning Jesus Christ to his face, watching him be slapped, knowing he's going to be tortured, knowing he's going to be crucified and not doing anything, and calling him your friend, nothing could be worse. Oh, you know our stand, Pastor? You know our stand? I've, I've done horrible things in my life. I've done horrible things. It's nothing compared to that. This right here, Christ did not die for white-collar sins. Christ died for the most gross, treasonous, in-your-face, spitting on you sins that there are. Don't give Jesus your clean stuff and then think you got to work out your own garbage. Give Jesus all of it. Come and have breakfast with Him. Let's pray. Lord, I'm amazed just by your generosity. Oh, man. Your willingness to step down to our level and to want to have breakfast with us. To get yourself on one knee and say, Come home, child. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Jesus, as we think about the the issues in our lives, whatever they may be, I thank you for the Apostle Peter. I thank you for his bad example. And Lord, I follow that. There's so many times my heart goes other ways. Lord, if there are some of us in this room who right now can't think of anything, by your spirit, would you be so gracious to just show us something? so that we can know we're just like Peter. Lord, I praise you that you sought out restoration and you do that with the people in this room too. Holy Spirit, by your power, by your transforming work, come in this room. Even as I'm praying, even as we sing this last song, that you would come and draw people to yourself. Draw them home as they've wandered off and done all kinds of things, would you draw them home? Lord, I love the example of you making breakfast for them. Not just just dealing with an issue, and you do that too, but you, you make breakfast for them and say, come, and you invite. And there's an invitation there for us. Jesus, would you allow us to be people who just want to say, yes, I want to sit at your feet and have some fish and bread this morning. Lord, help us to believe that the cross is sufficient for every single possible misdeed, misthought, misaction, some of our inaction, whatever it may be, God, whatever it is, the cross is sufficient for that. There's level ground before the cross. No one is greater than anyone else. We've all sinned against a holy God, and and Jesus, you're the one to restore us, and so we ask that you would, again, by your Spirit. Lord, if those in this room for the first time in their lives, they want to come for the first time and say, Jesus, be my sin bearer, would you give them courage to do that this morning? Would you let them be open to their eyes that they're living their own life and that they should live as a follower of you? Would you let them open up their lives so that they allow your spirit to come in and radically transform them? Not only saving them from the the power of their sin, but also from the penalty of it. God, I pray for that. If there are people in this room who have not yet done that with you, Jesus, would you give them courage this morning to do it? Step out and say, yes. You're the one who has eternal life. Where else can I possibly turn? Lord, I praise you that you're a holy and mighty and awesome risen Savior, but you're also the one who's down on a knee blowing on the coals to heat up the fish so that we can come and have breakfast. We praise you because that's who you are in Jesus' name.